0: Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. Today we have a guest speaker in our quarterly pastor series. And this time we have Dr. Brian Piccolo of Discovery Church who brings us a message on the most important thing in life that you can have. And so we turn it over now to Brian as he brings us the word. This
1: morning we have a special guest speaker in our series, our guest pastor series. Why do we have pastors from the community come in to speak to us? Well, uh, some of you uh, are looking for churches or not in a church. And this is just a way to expose our guys to some of the different pastors from around the uh, community in case you click with one. I know some of you, I shouldn't say several because I don't really know that, but I know some of you have uh, ended up attending the churches of some of the pastors that have spoken here before. So, with that in mind, I'm going to introduce to you our guest speaker, Dr. Brian Piccolo. Brian is, yes, named after the football player in the movie Brian's song, Brian Piccolo, but he is not the same Brian Piccolo. He's our own Brian Piccolo, raised here in Central Florida, an attendee of the University of Central Florida where he was working while in school for the University of Central Florida football team. He is the only student to ever speak to the team. Uh, he also did similar work with the Orlando Predators Arena football team. Uh, Brian is a father. Uh, he has three grown sons with his wife. He and his wife have counseled uh, over 700 couples on the topic of empathy, which you will be talking about today. He is the uh, author of uh, a a new book called Relentless Empathy, and we have copies of this book here available for you this morning. You can buy them here for $15 cash, or you can take the book and then pay for it later uh, by going to the back page and going online and paying $15.95 for the book. So you can get it. If you don't have the money today, you can take the book. That's the point. Uh, it's on our system. Just remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Brian is the men's pastor as well as an associate pastor at his church. And I wonder if you now would join me and give me a very warm. Uh, well, let's welcome the guys who are going to be listening online as well. So, for all the guys who are going to be online listening to this in, in the podcast form, on the count of three: one, two, three! Hoorah! Welcome, guys, to you as well. And now welcome Dr. Brian Piccolo.
2: Man, it is so good to be with you. I've got a couple of my roadies with me, guys from Discovery Church, and this is probably the fourth time they've heard this. And I said, you guys are a glutton for punishment. Uh, I'm so glad that they're here. I served as an associate pastor for 11 years right up the street. Uh, just north of here at Asbury, United Methodist Church. And in the history of that church, in its DNA, they had what they called the Pat Morley Days. That church fostered evangelism in small groups in this community before it was cool uh, to do that. And Pat was a part of that, and the, the church helped foster a moment where pat gave his life to jesus christ and when i got there i was still hearing about the pat morley days and actually got with pat had him speak there at asbury trying to uh, you know say let's get these days back and so pat has been with me uh for so many years um uh, i've read many of his books uh the book christian man uh with permission uh we use for our mentoring program at discovery church so it's great to be here with you, Pat, today. I'm now um, at Discovery Church. I've been there for seven years, and I try to lead by example. Uh, As men's pastor, I was at a Home Depot, and there was this little kid in line with me at the garden center area, and he had a big load of stuff. He was like 10 or 11 years old, and his dad said, wait right here. I've got to go get something. So this little kid's there holding his stuff, waiting, and he said, he popped up, and he said, sir, you can go ahead of me. And I just thought, what, what a young man of honor. And I said, no, you go ahead of me, son. And he actually took his arm and he said, I insist. I'm like, you are 10 years old. You, you don't even know what I insist means. And so I, I said, let me have your stuff. I took all of the stuff. I said, you like a Dr. Pepper? You like Dr. Pepper? All right. So I reached in there, got, got one of those, paid for all the stuff, handed it to him. And I said, young man, this is a reward for you reminding me that God is watching us, he's got his eye on us, and he wants us to treat each other well. And you just showed me a great example of treating other people well. Great job, young man. And so off, off he goes, and then I hear behind me, that was awesome! And I look around, it's one of our discovery men from our men's breakfast, he watched the whole thing. Pat, I am so glad I got caught doing something right. Because I haven't always gotten it right. I've been married 30 years. We just, uh, my wife and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary back in December. So glad for that. I'm glad we made it. Uh, There were some rough moments in the early days. And so uh, I was a newlywed. I had been married two or three years. And my employer... Uh, said, we're going to give any employee an all expenses paid trip to a marriage workshop in Jacksonville. And on a really clear day, you might be able to see, you know, just the line of the ocean. Well, what I heard was free trip to the beach. And so we get there and this marriage event fostered a, a safe place, you know, where you could talk to your spouse and not be afraid. And so my wife and I get to our room during the break and she said, Brian, can I share with you just one small little way you've hurt me just once in a while? I'm like, sure. And she said, well, I feel disrespected, unsupported and unappreciated when we set a time for dinner And you don't call when you're going to be late. And what's happening is the food's either getting cold, it's getting burnt, or I'm eating alone. And I, you know, you're supposed to speak the truth in love, right? So I I spoke the truth and said, well, I mean, these are true statements. I I said, honey, um, ministry's unpredictable. This is before cell phones. Ministry's unpredictable. Can I get an amen? How about... uh, Orlando traffic is terrible. Can I get an amen to that? So that's what I said to her. And then I looked at her and I saw a tear coming down her cheek and she left the room. I closed the hotel door behind her and I'm in this room by myself. And I just said, what in the world? I used another word. What in the world did I say? That was so bad. I wrestled with it I started to pay attention at this workshop and I realized what I was missing and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning we're gonna talk about the most important skill for relating to others and as a result it's the most important skill for leading for parenting if for if there's a Gen Z in the room uh, for adulting I didn't know what the word adult could be a verb But kids now are like, they're adulting, right? I'm like, way to go. You you probably should. You're 30, you know. (laughs) Let's start adulting. Uh, This skill helps the Marines establish esprit de corps. Uh, This skill leads to better marriages, happier families, healed social divisions, fierce brand loyalty and business. And it's the only skill that can lead to a more accountable government. Without this skill, you have tyranny. So governments produce tyrants without this skill. Parents can be tyrants. Two-year-olds are tyrants because they have no capacity for this skill. Supervisors can be tyrants. Now let's look at the opposite of tyranny. With this skill, it leads to empowerment. The opposite of tyranny. And this skill is called, let me let Kobe Bryant tell you. Kobe Bryant played for 20 years in the NBA. He was an 18 time All-Star. He won five NBA championships and he died tragically in the year 2020. While he was still alive, but before he, uh, he was in retirement and still alive, the general manager for the Lakers said, Kobe, do you have any regrets? And he said, no. And he said, wait a minute, I do have one regret. He said, I wish I had had more empathy. Empathy? I had never heard an athlete, a politician, or a movie celebrity use that word. I don't think I ever used the word in a sentence. And I thought, what does he mean? He can't mean that he wish he had cried more. it's got to be more than that and so it sent me on a holy hunt i spent uh a year in barnes and noble uh, every friday looking at every book on empathy i could find i went to asbury seminary my my alma mater which hallelujah for the revival that's going on there right now it is it's awesome it's awesome I spent time in in Asbury's library looking at every book on empathy. And what I found was that the cement is still wet on the definition of the word. And a part of the reason for that is because empathy is only a 100-year-old word. Its older cousin, sympathy, is a 500-year-old word. So sympathy means, I feel my pain for you empathy is i feel your pain with you you couldn't have a starker difference they sound similar but they're so different compassion is a feeling empathy is a verb and so empathy is what do i do with my the pity that i feel what do i do with the compassion that i feel well i i go through this process of loving people well called empathy And so after a lot of research, a lot of learning, and a lot of interactions with a lot of people, I made an eager, uh, I'm sorry, a meager attempt at clarifying the definition. But before I do, I want to show you what empathy is it. Uh, Jim, can you run that first video clip Or Dylan? Do any of you want to be that guy? Of course not you want to be that kind of dad no you want to be that kind of husband of course not our motives are just assuming that everybody in here is a Christian our motives are good we're trying to care for people we're trying to love people it's the method that's the problem and some, I'll, I'll even write that down motive and method motive is good But that's not the point. It's the method. And what happens is if you don't have a clear definition of empathy, uh, things begin to erode and you become an emotional tyrant without even knowing it, not even wanting it. But it happens. I got this email uh, from a guy who uh, found my book on Facebook somewhere. And he said i'm a 57 year old christian man who has struggled desperately with empathy my whole life i have been through multiple divorces to godly women who deserve so much more than i gave them emotionally i have a 32 year old son that has to set boundaries with me because of my directness my harshness and because of my ungodly choices he saw me make while proclaiming to be walking with god In my current marriage now in separation my lack of uh, loving well has impacted her 12 and 10 year old in ways I can't describe most of all I feel very little emotions inside spiritually I love Jesus I know the Bible well and I have I have served in Christian ministry for many many years but I realize now I have no compassion no sadness, and certainly no empathy. Oh, if someone had spelled this out to me or if I'd read the book years ago, thank you for listening to God. Brian, thank you for being up front with what it means to have relentless empathy. And thanks for showing us the steps to take to make it happen in our lives. I pray that this will truly sink into my heart so I have true change in who I am and in how i I treat others and so this person uh, said let's let's have breakfast I want to come down and take you uh, to breakfast and he said how do I get this changed what is what is my next step so I can save my marriage so I can reunite with my 32 year old and I said well you got to learn empathy but you got to learn the definition of it because the definition leads to the action steps that you can actually take and so here's the definition it's there in your notes if you want to write it down. Empathy is the ability to respond to people by connecting with them, by seeking to understand them, and by meeting their needs, by relating to them so they can feel empowered. One more time. The, per, uh, or the definition of empathy is the ability to respond to people's joy, or their hurt, or their sadness, by connecting, understanding, and relating for the purpose of empowering positive change. So in a a theological sense, when I love my neighbor as myself, it ushers in the power and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and it leads the person into a process of sanctification. It empowers people when we show them empathy. Jesus said that the whole Bible, and therefore all of Western civilization, hangs on the great commandment. And you know it well. It's uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other part of it is to love your neighbor as yourself. The problem was my theology. Because there's a transitional uh, phrase in there that says, the second is the same as the first. And I just couldn't go there. I had to keep loving the Lord higher than loving people. But that's not what it says. It says the second path of this commandment is the same as the first. And when I realized this, when I put loving God here and loving people here, the picture gets skewed. Even though I love Jesus, know the Bible, have a seminary degree, if I don't love my neighbor as myself, it gets skewed. And that's what happened to this gentleman his his picture got way off and so we're just trying to um, bring that back into alignment and a verse that that helped me really grasp this is there in your notes it's Galatians 514 where it says the whole law is fulfilled in one word love your neighbor as yourself and that is the biblical definition of empathy it's Everybody can love their neighbor, but to that little pesky line at the end, as yourself, changes everything. Author Eugene Peterson said that this is the most disobeyed command in the Bible. When you add that tagline of loving your neighbor as if you were in their shoes, and that's, that's empathy, and it's what people are longing for but rarely get. Uh, I saw this home auto life insurance commercial. On national TV and at the end of it it had a tagline and big letters and it said empathy is our policy and I saw that and I went no we no offense to our insurance agents in the house but we can't have an insurance company defining the word we can't have an insurance company be out front with empathy it needs to be the church the church needs to have the banner empathy is our policy the kingdom Christianity needs to have that banner. Empathy is our policy. Loving our neighbor as if it were me, in their shoes. This insurance company has no idea of the meaning of the word to its fullest extent. They, they think it means be kind and um, you know be, be thoughtful. There's just so much more. The church needs to be defining this word and so here are, you know, why does it work? Well, it's God's, God's principles, it's God's Proverbs. So here are four principles or four steps uh, for actually empathizing with a person. This is where we get into the how, but before I get there, uh, there's an, my favorite verse on empathy is in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 20. It's there on your notes. Paul says to the Jews, I've become like the Jews to win the Jews. And that's the point of empathy, not just to be kind, not just to, to land the deal. It's so that the per- so we can win people. Even in business, it works, winning them to our brand. But when you show empathy in a Christian context, it's winning them to Jesus. So here's what Paul is saying. Before you rush to put people in their place, put yourself in their place. That's That's there on your notes as well. We rush to put people in their place where we need to flip that and rush to put ourselves in their place. Much easier said than done. I have three boys. One of my sons slammed the door to his bedroom and he broke the door jam. And uh, so I went in there and, you know, spoke the truth in love. The first half that I spoke truth and just said, son, uh, that's not how we handle anger. Uh, you know, yell into a pillow, kick the trash can, whatever you got to do to get this out, but don't slam the door like that. You, you broke the door jam. We're going to need to fix that. I'll work with you. I'll show you how to do it and, uh, you pay for it and it's okay. It'll be okay. My motive was as pure as a driven snow, trying to help him. I left and I went, What have I done? What emotional disaster did I just spew on my kid? Oh my gosh. So I go back in, I said, Son, I am so, I just hurt you so bad right now. I just rushed to correct you. Here's a line connect before you correct. That saved my family, that saved my ministry. Connect. Before you correct. And I went in there. I corrected first. And it built resentment. Even more. I was just piling it on. I love Jesus. I, I'm i a prayer warrior. And I am i can't. What's going on? So I went back in. I just said. Son I am so sorry. I want to hear. I want you to present your anger to me. Not to a trash can. Or a pillow. To me. And if I'm the cause of it, it's okay. This is a safe place. And he said, it is because of you. And then he went through some things and we we worked it out and the relationship has been redeemed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, that young boy is now a 20-year-old man and uh, we just had a vacation together. Uh, empathy saved it. It's helped me relate more skillfully with my wife. It helps my kids receive my instruction. It's helped me be a leader. The men's ministry at Discovery, it, this is the secret sauce when people say, how do you have these guys coming every week to this? It's empathy. I encourage empathy around the table because guys can't get it anywhere else. If they, if they can't get it at a, at a men's round table, all right, so quickly, we'll go through the cure. This is the, the definition and the method. So the C is connect. You can't have empathy without connecting. At Discovery, we define connection as to know and be known. So when you attempt to know somebody, it'll pump endorphins in their brain. Literally, it's better than drugs. It is a drug. It's, it's heroin. When you just attempt to, to connect with somebody, it'll spark dopamine. It'll, it'll uh, serotonin as well. And then the other half of that is to be willing to be known. Uh, a healthy attachment is another word for this. The, the Bible uses the word intimacy. The word cleave, you will leave your father and mother and cleave. That's connection. It's a healthy attachment. There's all kinds of ways to do it. Um, I'll give you an example. A guy in my, in a galaxy, uh, in a galaxy far, far away. When I was a youth pastor, there was a young man in my student ministry. He grew up, had four kids. He died tragically at the age of 37. If you go down Maitland Boulevard, where 434, the on-ramp to 434 joins Maitland Boulevard. If you look to your right, you'll see a little white cross. And that's, uh, Chad, you'll see it says Chad. Uh, he died around Christmas, uh, three or four, three years ago. And the family came to me and said, would you be a father figure in this kid's life? I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't have the time. I don't know of any of the, you know, the hip songs, the, the movies. I know nothing about this generation. Are you kidding? But it was, uh, in honor of his dad who came to Christ in our ministry. And to honor the family, I took on trying to mentor this 12-year-old middle school flaming redhead young man. And so I I'll call him G-Man. Hey, G-Man, you want to go? The new Star Wars movie is out. You want to go? No, that's something my dad would have taken me to. So flop. Um, hey, and I'm praying, Lord, please give me a connection. Give me a way to connect. Because I want to share scripture. I want to share prayer. I want to help this kid, but I I got to have a connection first. To be, to win the Jews I got to become like the Jews. You know, I got to get in here somehow. Uh, young man, Hey, you want to go get some ice cream? There's an ice cream shop down the road. No, that's something my dad would do. I don't want to do that. Another flop. I thought, all right, I'll give this one more try. So I go to his grandfather and I said, let's do the opposite of what his dad would have done. Because what we're doing is not working. Let's invite him to this Mr. Rogers movie that's coming out. There's no way he'll say yes to that. And he said yes. What? And so it helped having grandpa along. So we, we go see the Mr. Rogers movie that had just come out. And at the end of it, I said to this middle schooler, what'd you think? And he said, that guy wears weird sweaters. And that's all I got. That's all you're going to get from a middle schooler. And so I felt another flop. And I I like, I can't, I just can't connect. And so uh, the new year comes along and the first sermon at Discovery uh, for January right after New Year's Day showed the mr. Rogers clip in the message it was a part of it and I looked and I went, I can't believe this is happening Lord please I pray the G-man is here I go into the lobby and this flaming redhead middle school kid the G-man runs up and gives me this huge hug in the lobby And I'm just in the back of my mind going connection made and then he said I've been wanting to see you since Christmas I wrapped this little gift and he hands it to me okay he wrapped this at, at Christmas a week ago he had brought it within the church hoping to see me I open it and it's a figurine of mr. Rogers a display of him with all of his quotes and I'm like this. This, we're connected. It took a lot of work, but we made it. And it's so worth it because once you have the connection, then you begin to pour into the person. So that's the C of cure. Uh, the U is understanding, because of time. I want to give you these. Uh, the U is understanding. The R is uh, relating, and the E is empowerment so you can write it this way connect understand relate to empower that helps me get it in my head and so one other example here so uh at our church in the office area there were uh three ladies there kicking up a storm i mean it was loud i didn't know if they were mad sad or glad but i'm like i am not getting near that so i walk away trying to get to my office and i just think to myself you're a pastor for crying out loud. Get your butt back in there. Quit hiding. So I go back. I'm like, am I going to engage this? I don't really have time, but for some reason I'm feeling like I should. And so I just said, ladies, what's, what's all the commotion? What's going on? And it was anger and, and sadness. There is mold in my air conditioning unit. That's what one of them said to me. And I said, okay, kick it in. Try to make a connection. And I, I just said, um, that, that must really be turning your life upside down right now. And she goes, oh no, you just wrote a book on empathy. <laughs> no, no, not going there. Stop it. And so I was going to leave, but one, one of the other ladies said, that was pretty good for a guy, not bad. And so she re-engaged and, um, I, I, said, tell me more. And then I went to the understanding of cure, which is uh, what's it like being in your shoes right now? I want to understand you. Every person you meet has a longing for connection and for understanding. If you skip those two, you are not loving your neighbor as yourself. You're loving your neighbor, but not pushing it to empathy which is as if it were you. And that's the big aha for me that, that changed everything for me. And so uh, she said, it's, I can't have my grandkids over. We bought this townhome so we'd have more time with the grandkids. and I can't even have them over. I'm worried about what it's doing to all of our, our lungs. And, and um, I don't know about the expense, which led to the relate, which is um, meeting needs. Self-cure, so here's how I knew she felt understood. I just said, this must r- really be hurting you that you can't be with your grandkids. And you feel like, you know, where is God in all this? We, we prayed about it and thought we bought the right place for them. I'm telling her this and she goes, that's it. That's how I feel. And in the back of my mind, I just go, okay, we got the connection. Now we got understanding.'" She feels understood. Now I can really press in. Is there a way Discovery can help you financially? Is there a way I can rally the men uh, to help you? We got guys that fix this stuff in our men's ministry. What do you need? And she said, right now, I think we're okay. So we go to the E, which is in power. So I just said, okay, uh, tell me what you want for the future. What, how can I pray for you? and she went over it all and so we prayed there together and at the very end of it she goes shit can I show you pictures of the mold do I want to see pictures of mold no but empathy does and so I said yes show me pictures of mold and that's when I realized I had gone through the whole process of empathy to the point where she felt empowered she felt loved she felt uh, confidence a little more confidence about the future and guys that's really uh how i want to close um the the good samaritan story you know the story half beaten, half dead on the road a bible scholar walks by and doesn't help a pastor walks by and doesn't help it's a filthy rotten samaritan they hate and the, the, Jesus is telling this story to people who hate Samaritans. But he's saying, this is how you love your neighbor as yourself. Here, here's an example. And so we just walk through it quickly. So that the Bible says he has pity on the guy who's there on the ground, half beaten, half naked. He has pity, compassion. He has a feeling. He acts on it and with sympathy bandages his wounds. But then he pushes it to empathy by giving him a ride to an inn and he keeps pushing and he says I will pay take care of this man and I will pay whatever the cost but then he pushes it to relentless empathy when he says I'm gonna come back by and when I come back by I will pay any other expenses that are incurred by your care let's get this guy on his feet and that, that story just helped me uh, put it all together. So in closing, why pursue this? Because the more power and influence you have as a man, the more of that that you give away to others, the more power and influence God will give back to you. You'll reap what you sow. Give your power away. Give your love away. And it'll all come back to
0: you men thank you for letting me speak to you today it's been a joy uh, being here with you thank you for joining us today you can find the man in the mirror Bible study wherever you listen to podcasts as well as on our YouTube page if you have found this helpful please subscribe give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with friends since 1986 man in the mirror has been teaching the Bible helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life, or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.